What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to yet another episode of the Dogs Basketball Podcast, a New Year's Eve edition. Here we are on the final day of 2023, recapping the Dogs dub that was last night. A lot of people saw it, and it makes them one-on-one in Missouri Valley Conference play. I'm Nick Malone, joined by Noah Lurch. And Noah, it was a fun one last night. Crowd showed out once again, had awesome numbers in general, the atmosphere, the Electric electricity was awesome in that place last night. And, it, and the team fed off of it, especially near the very end of the game when they pulled away against the Flames, who always make it tough on us. What's going on? Yeah, obviously knowing it's going to be a lot of these type of games in the Missouri Valley, and we started right back to it, obviously. Um, especially between these two teams, we saw it last year, always going to be pretty ugly. It's going to be low scoring. And I was joking in my Saluki chat on Twitter that we'd see a Loyola SIU like we saw a couple of years ago when it was very low scoring in the 40s and 30s like that. But definitely got ugly, and um, luckily Xavier Johnson showed up. Yeah, and we'll dive into X because it didn't seem like he had his cleanest game this season and the absolutely phenomenal year he continues to have. You know, he keeps climbing charts, keeps getting talking about. He now – he wasn't the leading scorer in the country there for after one game in this one game stretch here, but now he is back after his 31 point performance. He had half of our points, as you said. Yeah, it brought us back to some games in the past. Definitely that ugly Loyola game at home years ago. Uh, and this was definitely an ugly basketball game in its own right. We'll talk about it. We'll, we'll preview our next opponent, the Belmont Bruins, at the very end. That'll be our first game in the new year. And we also had a new offer that came to our attention just today. We'll dive into that as well. Some quick touch-up things here. I mentioned the crowd. 7,004 saw this. Luke Martin has been doing phenomenal work with all the stats he does after each game. And last night was the only the seventh time since 2008-09 season having 7,000 in the building. Uh, obviously, we know the game against Belmont last year was at 7,100. We remember the ass-beaten Wichita State put on us in early 2016 when we both had 20-something win seasons. Had 8,200 there, and then I factoring in the years before that, the biggest we had was against Conference foe Creighton back in the early year of 2009, and that was still the old arena, if I remember correctly, too, so they could fit a lot more than they can in this one now. But seventh time in, in, you know, in the last – what is that? It's about – uh what's that math here it's it's close to 20 years it's about 15 or something years so you know and it all, all it takes is the balloon drop there were eight thousand balloon dropped and of course that is always a hit and people want to see that for sure uh before the game when we you know we got together and went over there first thing they said on the radio last night was aj was returning and we made that post pretty much breaking the news because that of course was breaking news uh, he was missed badly in some facets of the team, as we know, and he showed his value in this game. We'll talk about him uh, at some point throughout the box score readings and then still no Cade on the bench. And we talked in the last one is that we don't know if it's through his injury. We heard some rumblings not official that maybe he has been sick or something, but the fact that he's missed a couple games and it's been the span of eight weeks or eight days in between, uh, something to just keep monitoring. We're thinking that's what it is for him, though. So – that's everything pregame. I mean, no, again, diving into this game here, we knew what UIC was coming into this. We talked about them. They were an amazing defensive team, and they showed this in that uh, getting eight blocks and six steals um, 
but again, talking about X as well, it was it was a struggle for X at first. You know, he we keep seeing you know showings of X that he almost looks hurt. He'll limp after he like a certain play happens, and he you know we always get that that sleeve on his left leg. It's like he, he's still fighting, you know, whatever was hurting him in the off season, kind of. And again, it just keeps showing how phenomenal he's been after having that injury in the off season. Uh, but he still ended up with what he did. But again, it was a struggle. He had five turnovers and some of the shot selections wasn't there. You said throughout the game to me that it's just signs of what Lance was showing last year. And, you know, X does so many different things than even Lance did that it's like, okay, well, clearly just in the scope of this current team and what we need, like we've said that we will live with anything X does. But he did show that those weird signs. You know, your overall, we'll just go ahead and dive into the box score and some things, you know, that we liked on our end, we can even dive into theirs too. I mean, Toby O'Connor shot one of 10 from the field. Awful. If he makes a little bit more than that, they might win because they got dicey throughout this. No, what were your biggest takeaways from this game? You could lead with X. Anything else that stuck out to you? We'll dive into the rotations too. 10 people played. And of course, a couple of them that should play more. One for sure. Barely saw action in this one. And we continue to see mismanagement of rotations. Yeah, it's a, it's a continue of it. And, but yeah, good scene. Just jumping in AJ Ferguson back and he looks fully healthy and took him a little bit to get going, but right away he's ultra aggressive like he's always been. I mean, five points, five rebounds. So just getting him back in the fold. He he was kind of in that closing lineup. Um, instead of Kennard Davis, uh, even with his little bit of AJ got in a little bit of foul trouble, but um it was good to see him back and just speaking of that position, Kennard Davis starting still um, seven points, four rebounds. He still had a couple, uh, obviously he got punished cause he tried to, instead of going soft, he went hard to the rim and tried dunking on three UIC players and he missed the dunk. We got the offensive rebound and he missed a corner three. So he kind of got punished there, but, um, that's one of those things where it's not high school. Brian let the kid play. I know, um, if he goes soft, he's probably getting blocked at the rim anyhow. So. I hated seeing that kind of thing, but um, he got kind of got chirped at by Brian when he was coming to the bench too. But um, like those, and yeah, X, I felt like that was the first night we've really seen X kind of forcing too much stuff where um, he was forcing stuff, stuff in the lane where he probably could have kicked down. I know there's not a lot of movement from our other guys that just, they just go in the corner and hide kind of, and we run the same action down the floor every time down the floor and it's just a ball screen and X got to make something happen. If he doesn't find one of the big man rolling, it's him trying to force something up. So, um, yeah, I felt like it's first time he had to force some stuff, but like, like we said, we're okay with it because he's gonna, he's playing hurt 39 minutes a night and eight for nine from the free throw line again. And he, and he scores 30 once again. Yeah. And it's, I remember saying just before the game, we were talking about we wanted to get his average. We wanted him to keep staying near the top of the country and scoring. And I was like, I'll take below his average if it means, you know, obviously others partake in the offense. And then you have – and then, you know, UIC is a great defensive team. So it's like, you know, if he gets, you know, whatever by these guys in the defense, and so be it as long as we win and other people contribute. And it was a challenge for him in that aspect. And, yeah, no one else really did much. I mean, Clarence is the only other one that had double-figure scoring, which it just shows, again, X at half our point. So it's okay, you fill out the other 31 points, and Clarence was a third of that. And Clarence was good as well in this game, had 12 and 6. He, sh- You know, 
he still has the bonehead of plays. You know, he was he was losing uh, Brownell on certain threes that got them in the game. Whenever we had a decent lead, he wasn't sticking to those big man shooters, which is all they can do. I mean, Philip Scoball didn't even score in this game, and then you got Brownell who had three threes or two, or two threes, uh, finishing and one. So defense on the defense from Clarence wasn't great outside of some blocks. You know, it's again he's six eight, six nine. You know, when he got blocks when, like, O'Connor was going weak to the rim and some other facets, him and Jared had a combined block throughout. And it's like, okay, yeah, when you're when you're oversized, you can get these kind of blocks. And I'm not trying to take anything away from it, but it's like, we need you to do that. We've said how he's almost – he's going to end up doubling his block total from last year. He surpassed it after the first, like, 10 games. So he's active in that regard. But offensively, you know, that's where he makes his hay. And he had some tough, you know, finishes at the rim contested. He had a breakaway dunk after we, you know – it was that sequence where we got the breakaway dunk and they came down. That's when they got that combined block. So there's some good signs. It was just a real roller coaster in the first half. And again, those are really the main players to mention just because they are the ones that stuff the stat sheet more, but uh, yeah, the same action we need to. And again, it, it'll sometimes be something different where there might be an added, you know, backdoor cut on something or, again, we, how many times we've preached over the years, you just have to go off script sometimes. And, we're falling into that robotic thing like we were with Marcus and Lance where, well, I don't want to take any dribbles. I don't want to do much. I'm just going to try to give it to X to like save the day. And that's putting too much pressure on him. And we had two guys to do it last year. Now we only have one. So it's like that just shows you X's value across the whole country. He's one of the most valuable players. Uh, And he's, he's of course keeps making, you know, keeps, keeps getting the job done. And then you got, you know, it's just seeing examples like guys who get a defensive rebound, X is, you know, getting covered and like, you know, press-ish, and they don't even want to dribble the ball down. They're trying to just force him the ball. It's like, just dribble the ball down. It was Troy sometimes. It was something else. It's like we are just becoming more of that roboticness of X only on offense at times. He has to make every single play, and he's good enough to do it. So it's like, okay. But as you mentioned, we're fully healthy, so hopefully we see more and more Things transpire. I mean, AJ, yes, in his return, had a turnaround jump shot. He had a corner three to give us a a late push for a lead in the first half. It was only points that he had, but he showed really good. He he rebound. He had four fouls, but he had five rebounds, and that's what we loved about AJ from the start of this season. And what you just notice that's different about him. He's not only his aggressiveness on offense, but his ability to want to go chase rebounds whenever this team can struggle at it at times. You know, we're good at getting the the uh, the clean rebounds, but the ones that you have to go work for and earn uh, isn't always there. Um, who well, I mean, Trent didn't score. It was like a moments where Trent's given us some, you know, he's 39 minutes, didn't score, shot three times, all threes missed. And, you know, we know that they were leaving him out to dry a little bit on some of those. They, you know, of course, we drawn the shot clock to the very end. Trent gets it last second, has to heave one at the Banterra Center logo. So, we you you said to me that well those shouldn't even count because it's if you put a guy in a bad spot like that, uh that's kind of always what happens. Other than that, no no one else stuck out. I guess Kennard, you know, he had the first three, the second half that stuck out. You mentioned the plays there where he kind of got taken out for doing things that I guess would be qualified as a freshman move, but we want him to always be that kind of physical to where you go duck on a dude. Who cares? And then yeah, we got it back and he just didn't make the three. So be it. So definitely don't want to, you know. Uh, disciplined guy for meaningless stuff. What else did you take away from this game? No, I mean, Troy didn't shoot that well, but he had 11, you know, key rebounds overall. And then, you know, the shooting splits for both teams in the second half, it was just clearly an ugly second half of basketball. What else stuck out to you? And again, the two 
two guys that should have played more barely played two minutes combined. That doesn't need to happen because if you're 10 deep, use it. And it, it could be an advantage in games, and they're not using it fully. Yeah, it's going to be where your guys playing 40 minutes or night are going to be worn down. I mean, X is already – you can tell he's – that right leg of his is still not going, so he's going to be hopefully – not too worn down, middle of conference play. Same with Trent Brown and Troy. I mean, they're playing so many minutes a night, and we're starting to get guys back. I mean, with Jarrett, you just got to use those guys. I mean, Yovan's still in, not sure exactly, I guess maybe a little bit of confidence issue with him that he's still practicing hard. I think they talked about the last game. He's just still in a little bit of a slump. Uh, it just – the minutes he plays, he's not going to get in a rhythm and really get him going. Then Scotty playing, playing like two forty-five second each half, and then Trey Miller. I mean, you got depth. You got to. I mean, feel like if you're not going to tr- play Trey, you got to throw Sheridan Sharp out there and see what he could do against some of these teams. But um, you need to get X some kind of breathers. Either whether we've seen it. The minute he came out, I think they put Troy back at the point or something like that. So you got to use those guys and get them opportunities to see what they can do in this conference play. Or you're never going to see it because Trey can run the point just fine and move the offense because when X came out, that's when we went in a slump and could not get out of it for quite a while in that possession. But yeah, I mean, it's going to, it's going to be interesting to see. Obviously we kind of knew um, that, just the matchups of them getting Scoball back and then playing Brunel off the bench that it might not be a Scotty game, but you can still use him in different ways and figure out how to use him. But it's just coming to play with, I just think they need to change up the offense a little bit and see what, because I mean, people harp on Trent Brown that the, well, he played 40 minutes and I just seen a lot of it. Well, I don't know how he's tired. He just stood right in the corner the whole time. Well, He's playing defense, too, guarding. I mean, he was guarding a way bigger player than him last night. And Isaiah Rivera, and Rivera took advantage of it a lot in the post when he went there. But they got to run action, other actions for him to get shots because he's just not he's not going to create his own. So um, we got to find ways. They got to find ways at the coaching staff and just run better offense to be more efficient because um, shooting 40% and – 28% from three is not going to cut it. No, and we've said that all of Trent's career, that he's not a guy that's going to get his own shot. He's not, you know, a, you know, it's hard for a player like that who's undersized and limited in a lot of different ways to, well, I'm going to dribble and pull up a three. I'm going to dribble and pull up a jump shot. Like, sure, over a course of a five-year career, you maybe want him to add that to his game, but still, that's just not who he is. And, it's what's made him his own great player over his career is he's hitting open shots. And I can't remember, it's been a couple games because he hasn't scored much recently that, um, you know, if he gets an open three, he's going to make it. Again, they left him out to dry in this game. You just don't do that. And that's like, you know, just thinking of video games, that you want to dish it out if you don't want to mess with your with your field goal percentage in any way, in a funny way. Not that the players do that, but they just, yeah, let's give it. I, I'd take an X, f- fade away, step back from 30 feet over anybody. So I think, you know, in terms of his percentage, but he has a good chance of going in. He is the ultimate desperation shooter. And yeah, they left Trent out the dry and they definitely need to check, you know, just, yeah, change things with the offense, get Trent and different, you know, whatever's and 
you know, you have good bigs, you have good rollers. I mean, Jared had four points and he forced one on Brownell. Like these were perfect matches for Jared, like size and stature wise, like equal to what he was. But at some points you take him out. I mean, he was in foul trouble. Again, I think Jared has a little bit of a foul problem, like some other, you know, some players do on the team. Um, and he gets taken out. It's like, well, if you're if you're needing offense, like leave Jared in there or something and just rely on him and X's pick and roll game. And if, you know, and we know Jared again, he's not gonna go over the left shoulder, it's always the right. So it's like maybe you know that, you know, again, that's that should be scouted. It should be people should know that. So he needs to keep working on that, just picking apart all these different things. And as you mentioned, I mean you said it throughout too. It's like, well, sometimes when Scotty was in and uh one of those big men shooter were in, he wasn't on him in some parts of the half court defense because he was guarding a guy that wasn't going to stretch the floor and a guy much smaller than him. But of course, like we said, I'll switch that. And you said, no, I mean, that makes sense. And it did. And then the guy who we're talking about who guarded shot a three, but missed it. So that just shows you, it's like some of those things the players have to iron out and, you know, themselves when they, when they're in there, but we know Brian sets up all the matchups and everything throughout that, but so sporadic in all those ways. Yes. Trey can come in and run the offense for sure. Because as you said, if if it's not him, put Sheridan in there, and it just it just cements the whole thing of they wasted his freshman year now playing him in two games, meaningless garbage time that there's no way he's going to play in conference. I mean, the only one he could play in is if we're beating Valpo by thirty, and we're just thinking there's no way that he's gonna he's gonna factor in a meaningless moments here because yeah, X and Trent are playing thirty nine, so it just doesn't. I just can't believe they did it. I would love to. He needs to be asked about it at some point, or definitely at the end of the season feel bad for that kid but we know rj still not playing but again these are the 10 guys that need to play no doubts about it and use them the right way now that aj's healthy again he is an x factor for sure him and canard mixing and matching and playing together makes sense too and we saw the starting lineup at the start of the year finish this game all of the guys included so it's kind of foreshadowing to see maybe that ends up becoming a thing again or just obviously like i said finishes the games uh in their own way. So that's that. So it was, I mean, even Isaiah Rivera had 18 points. We know he's a nice player. He's going to be up for an all league. One of the all league teams. He's going to carry them. Uh, And as you said, he was, he was punishing Trent when they guard him in the post. It took him like 10 minutes throughout the game to do it, to finally do it. And then O'Connor, like we said, one of 10, he did everything else really well. He just missed layups and missed everything else. Kenora was making it tough on him. Marquise Kennedy played five minutes had a mask on. So again, they're, they're a nice team. They, but like we've kind of predicted and it'll be a close game when we go to their place in February, but uh, you know, they're a team that should be, you know, in the bottom half and we need to treat it as such. And we showed bad signs in this, but we got the job done. Thanks to a couple late turnovers by them and some execution on X's part. Uh, So overall throughout this game, I mean, uh, there was stats of where X now ranks, you know, all time in terms of 30 points with this, He's in he's in incredible company. As we know, Chico Vaughn has eleven, and the fifty nine sixty season had had eleven thirty more point scoring games without a three point line. Steve Middleton in the eighties seven, the great Anthony Bean had six in the fifteen sixteen season. Greg Sterick had six in the early seventies. Mike Lynn had five mid seventies. Chris Carr uh, mid nineties had five, and X just tied him with his five. So maybe X will get more. He's not going to catch Chico, but maybe he can get into second place and pass Steve at some point, just keep showing the greatness that he does. No overall final thoughts on this game that gets us to one-on-one and then go ahead and talk about 
There were uh, two other games that happened yesterday. One that we thought a team was going to get the job done, but they didn't, unfortunately. And go ahead and sneak peek the games in the early New Year, the the next batch of one games around the league uh, in early January. Yeah, definitely. I mean, administration has done a great job. I mean, to get 7,000 fans there without students there while they're on break is just – it shows you that these fans are – can buy into what what this team can be and they can show up and there's certain things they're doing. I know they're doing something different. $5 tickets for the next game if you use code 5. So, I mean, uh, just the things they're doing, the balloons and everything's just great to see the atmosphere, the way it's been and getting some of the biggest crowds we've seen in a long time there. So continue to do that. But, yeah, I mean, coming to see a guy like Xavier Johnson is going to keep people coming back and this team if other guys start to step up and if other guys get the opportunities they deserve will continue to bring big crowds in for valley play and they can finish this season the way they need to continue and protect home court so i'm excited about it and yeah there were some games yesterday um in the valley indiana state went on the road played michigan state thought everybody knew how good Indiana State. Obviously, we went up the, the started Valley play up there earlier this year, and they took care of us, but they lose 87-75. I mean, it showed the nation was on notice that Indiana State's a for-real team. A lot of people talking about it that that was a felt like a March Madness game, and they were right. I mean, Isaiah Swope, 26 points, hitting 6 of 13 from 3. He's just an absolute game changer. Ron, Ryan Conwell, 16 and 5. Kent was good in that one with 12. They still just don't have enough off the bench, but those guys and Robbie Villa, I mean, it just showed he only played 18 minutes, got in foul trouble against those bigger teams like Michigan State brings. He's going to struggle, and he did five points, six rebounds, two assists. Um, he was one of four from three, but we knew they could go on the road and give him a test, and they did. And Tom Izzo spoke very highly of them after the game. Then Murray State gets it done at home against Middle Tennessee State, 75 54. Jacoby Wood led the way for them. Um, Rob Perry had 13, struggled shooting. So um, Ellington was really good, 17 and eight again. So He's playing very well and potentially could be on all newcomer team in the Valley. Then sneak peeking to the games earlier this week. UIC, another road game. They get to travel down to Murray State and play then. That should be a very defensive battle game like we saw last night. Um, if O'Connor can finish around the rim, they could knock off the racers. But always a tough taste to play. We've seen it. They Murray State knocked off Bradley at home earlier this year. Then on CBS Sports Network, 8 o'clock, Illinois State travels to Drake. Um, should be a Drake taking care of business at home. Illinois State can be a hard-fought team, though. Then on Wednesday, Evansville at Indiana State, the battle of the in-state rivals like we just had. Bradley at Falpo, then Northern Iowa at Missouri State. So um, Valley play is in full swing now. Can't wake it. Like I said on last pod, the road to St. Louis has started, and obviously we got off to a good start last night. Yeah, there's. I feel like this season it's going to make for more fun because we've said everyone said the start of the year, everything else, the depth of this. Because yeah, I mean, Evans was at Indiana State. Are they gonna, you know, are they gonna fight like heck? Yeah, because they're a better team. But it's just knowing that as you know, these other teams that we've said, just the teams you wouldn't expect to be, you know so great could you know could show fight this year i just think it's i'm so ready for this conference season and 
if it would have happened for the Sycamores to beat Michigan State, they they won that game for about 35 of the 40 minutes. They kind of fell apart there near the very end. Uh, and the Michigan State just, you know, they were throwing alley-oops or they were finishing and ones and stuff. And, and it was Malik Hall was just a stud down low for him. And, yeah, Robbie foul trouble. I can't believe how great Isaiah Swope's playing at this level. So what was he doing playing in non-Division One before last year, playing finally Division One, and then get, making the jump here, and he's showing that he should have been up at this level the entire time. Crazy how good he is. And seeing Conwell, he's smooth. We know about him. Blitzen had nine off the bench. Big Jason Kent played well, too. So they're a team that, again, we said before, a max of maybe three, or five, three to five losses in the Valley this year. They keep showing it, and they're just going to keep – it's just – it's incredible. They should, should have honestly won that game. So shout out to them for showing the fight. Um, and then, yeah, Murray getting that big win. I mean, they've rattled off some here. Now they they got the new year, and they could very well beat UIC at home, as you said. It's just a matter of – yeah, take the under in that game and that matchup, and then some of those others – some of these teams should take care of them, but there should be some close games. We're not going to, uh, you know, set stone on anything because anything can happen in the Valley as we know it. Um so then, no, there was an update on Kempom and Nets. Luke had for us along with every other team. If you want to dive into those and then talk about this guy that we offered here and in, in the just, I, yeah, today and who knows, I don't clearly, because we haven't had anybody in the recruiting cycle of anything since the offseason before the season started. It's been, it's been bleak. We've left that part of the script. Obviously, Blankets collected some dust here in the last couple months. Who is this new offer that we've got yeah i mean uh the kim palm last night luke martin um doing a great job tweeting out stuff um all day long today um and tweeting out about obviously the effective field goal percentage and all that stuff but mvc rankings in kim palm indiana state stays up stays up there 55 drake at 74 salukis move up to 97 um then we got some right in the first 100 108 Missouri State 110 UNI 120 Bradley Belmont our team we will preview here in a little bit 146 UIC still at 149 so they stayed top 150 Evansville is right there on the edge 157 then in the 200s Illinois State at 205 Murray State at 217 then Valpo all the way down at 320 I think Valpo if healthy is a better basketball team than that but um, still struggling obviously under the first year coach um Roger Powell, but yeah, got a new 2024 offer. Obviously, it's it's a kind of a late one, and his name is All Right, A L L All Right. His brother Always Right is at Rhode Island. He's a link year prep hoops guy, so he's playing with some really good. Um, he's a twin of, I guess he has a twin, uh, Always Right, but he's playing with some really good teams. There's him and his brother were stars at Joplin before him taking his talents to prep school. And you don't see a lot, a lot on this kid. I think he, other than us, he, I think he has a SEMO offer uh, and that's about it. So not a lot of offers. He's a six, four guard, a pretty good shooting guard. Um, interesting to see um, back on the 16th he was the player of the game for linkier hoops he had 42 points five rebounds three assists and three steals um in a game so guy that can score shoot the ball and a late offer to a guy that is a prep year and 
maybe we've seen what we can do and steal a 2024 guy at the end of the year. Yeah, let's hope we do because we've talked, you know, we have shared and we have Trey. We've always thought about the guards uh, that we have here that we were like, at first we we're like, okay, but now it's like, you know, the the lack of anything there for Sheridan and Trey's, you know, initial struggles here that it's like we need another guard just in the room in general because a lot of others have eligibility, uh, obviously losing Trent and everything. So this would be a big ad if they can get it done. If you keep scrolling on his profile, some guy posted that Brendan was there to see him on December 8th. To, you know, obviously that was early last month or this month. And, you know, clearly just talking about his game and that's bled into into this offer. But, yeah, he's dropping, you know, a lot of points. It just shows he's one of their best players. If we can steal a kid like that, it'd be great. Just gave his dad a follow on X. He get, he uh, relayed the same to us. So we'll keep him posted for sure throughout the rest of his season uh, and everything. We are now 85th also. The SIU is in uh, and net as well. So a lot of great things going on, a good offer, and it bleeds into a nice win. And now you're climbing the rankings and a lot of different things. You said the effective field goal percentage. Yeah, we are now 33rd in the country in that. We're the lone NBC team tab top 50 nationally on offense and defense. So good things going on for the dogs here, Noah. So let's talk about the Belmont Bruins here. As we know, they are incredibly led by Kate Tyson. He's a phenomenal player. He keeps putting up, you know, incredible numbers, reigning freshman of the year. Uh, just shows you the, the kind of team Belmont had last year. They had an NBA talent and they had the freshman of the year bleeding into a all Valley first team member. It would seem like again in Cade. I know he's got some really good running mates. One of a newcomer that's going to be on the all newcomer team. They have the perfect blend of a, of a, you know, guard forward, great score. They have a good point guard, and they have a really physical center. Uh, they have one of the best big threes in the league. They have some other, you know, facets to their team, but maybe it could show, and I remember saying at the start of the year, that they could be a little top-heavy, relying on a lot of young guys, and they've shown some flaws in the season, but they're still elite. What do the Bruins have to offer this season? Yeah, just so uh, obviously we know, obviously losing the NBA talent and – a uh, guy that has to step up and be that name guy now in Kate Tyson. And he's done that. I think in Kim Palm MVPs, he's the next highest Valley player below X at like five, I think. So he's stepping up. I mean, he's averaging 18 a game. I mean, he can really score at five rebounds a game. He doesn't, I mean, he's shooting 40% from three. Uh, he's 83% from the line. So can't foul him. Um, so this is a guy that is really, a guy we got a key on. I expect Kennard and AJ to be hounding him all night long. Um, then other guys, obviously you mentioned Malik Dia, six nine, Vanderbilt transfer, gotta gotta find a matchup uh, with Jarrett, Scotty, all of them just hound him, wear them out because they play a lot of younger guys. Freshman Win Miller plays some um, guy like Drew Shanowski, a freshman, a sophomore Kyle Vanderyot. Brigham, Brigham Rogers, another freshman. So playing a lot of young guys that our veteran guys should be able to handle. And their guards, obviously, Keyshawn Davidson, Isaiah Walker, Jacoby Gillespie, we know about them. Um, but they're top leading scorers with Gillespie, Dia, and Tyson. Like you said, one of the top three players or top three combos in the in the conference. And we got to take advantage of it. They're scoring 81 a game, but they allow 79. This team is still defensively challenged so um if we can hold them below their average i like our chances a lot at home but at, for a dog of the game um i like i like going with and i 
I'm going to go with Jared Hensley off the bench. Give us a boost because I know what our starters can do against a team like this. So hopefully Jared comes off the bench, gives us some boost, and that's what he's been doing. Hopefully he can stay out of foul trouble with a more physical eye like Malik Dia. And expect another big crowd. I know it's a Tuesday night after the new year. A lot of stuff going on starting a new year. But um, hopefully another big crowd. I know $5 tickets, like I said earlier, and expect another win. Yeah, this is an interesting game because they have elite. They're an elite offensive team. They score 81, but they also allow, I can go back and find it, they allow 79, which is ridiculous. We've talked about this team, how they can't stop anybody. They've had teams that shouldn't drop as many points on them, you know, to do so. Uh, and that's the thing. So we are, we're a pretty good offensive team in our own right. So it's a matter of scoring the ball and holding serve on those top three guys. You know, the Willinghams of the world are, you know, all those, those top three guys average over 16, but you have Willingham at nine, Isaiah Walker at seven, Keyshawn at six. You know, like they, they have spread in terms of their depth and all but uh, Miller who is a freshman, has played all 13 games, and there's another guy who's only played eight, Dykstra. So other than that, and Cade's missed a couple with like illnesses or something throughout the year. So it's weird, but they play right around 30, him and Davidson do. Davidson's put up more shots this year than Cade has. Obviously, again, that's based off of Cade missing two games. Just shows they have they have star players. And D is a force down low. It's a big game for Clarence and Scotty. I was going to pick Jarrett myself just because I have a feeling he could score over 10 points in this game because they don't have a four-man that can really guard him in that sense, and that's where he can come in and play well if he remains at the four. We saw that in the last game. Hopefully that remains. I'll go with Scotty, though, because we know you can't – I mean, you can have Troy Jarrett and Clarence on a Dia throughout a game, but if we don't see Scotty in this one, I just can't continue to fathom the sporadicness for Scotty's playing time. When he plays, he drops 10 points. It's a perfect matchup with Dia, so I'm going to go with him if he plays – that's a freak athlete matchup. Other than that, though, we should take care of business because again, if we score points, it's all about matching with Belmont because they're gonna their offense is good. Casey's a great coach. If they, you know, find stretches in here to score, you have to be able to match. X will have his hands full with Gillespie. Now, obviously, Trent can be involved guarding him, but the name of the two knows what you said: Kennard and AJ hounding Kate Tyson. Let's keep him below his average. Don't let him get going. He is a awesome player. Uh, so that's the name of it again. Score and defend typicalness. And you're at home. Last time the Belmont was in our place, as we said, was that New Year's game this past year, and and we blew them out in the second half. Showed that crowd amount, and it and it overwhelmed them. Casey, I'm sure in his head said, "I don't want to play there anymore." So uh, that that's what we have to do again. Hopefully, it's a new year. I think people are going to show out. You mentioned the discounted tickets. They have no reason not to keep showing out. Uh, so, yeah, that's the Bruins, and we'll see them. And we're excited to go as the team go to, to go to Nashville this year. When we get to that point, it, it stinks that it's through the week, and we're probably not going to be able to make that trip. It's always a fun one. We'll talk about it at that point. I'm thinking it can maybe be kind of a similar spread to UIC. Was I could see it maybe getting a little tighter. I'll say like five-point spread for the game on Tuesday. We'll see on that. Uh, a quick touch-up of a mailbag. Someone asked us, Pagliais or Quattro's? Pizza. That's for sure. Quattro's haven't had pags much in my life. You could, you can add IVs in there. Quattro's is definitely the king of carbon dough, I think. And then quickly, just knowing this is the last episode of 2023. Uh, it's been a, it's been a great one. As we know, the season we had last year, we got to Saturday, which is what we wanted to do. And what we knew with, you know, bleeding into the off season, what it was and what this team has become healthy going into the new year. 
that it showed the signs here at the end of 2023 that we're hoping to do, uh, you know, not maybe not equal as amount of things. I'd be asking for too much, but just continue good things for this season and fight for a chance to to not play on Thursday. That's what we'll have here. That's the expectations here for 2024. Win your home games, fight like hell on the road. Cause again, we're Owen two on the true road. So if we can get some big wins like that and steal some even and split with a lot of the best teams, sweep the ones you need to, that's the expectations of 2024. And the ultimate is again, to try your best to not play on Thursday. If you do make it a five or six seed, that's everything we're expecting in 2024, but it starts with the Bruins on January 2nd. Hopefully everybody shows that with us to start a new year for the dogs and one that we think could be an exciting one the rest of the way. So for Nick Malone. No alerts. It was a great year. We're moving on to the new year, 2024. Go dogs.